On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Sandy Shaw, MPP for Ancaster, Dundas, Westdale, is going to be with us, and we are going to be talking about all kinds of stuff going on in the world right now. Amber alerts, Red Hill Creek, snow days, on and on and on. Stick around. Coming up right now. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Every Friday, we like to do something called the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. I should say, say do it. We like to have the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. And for the longest time, we would regularly have our guest today in. But then she decided that she wanted to seek office and go and step out and become a politician. And then, you know, good for her, bad for us. I mean, on the show, not in the public. She won. I have to say that I was kind of secretly cheering for her and at the same time kind of cheering against her because I wanted her on the show, but she won and she gets to come back anyway. So all works out. Uh, She is Sandy Shaw, the Hamilton West Ancaster Dundas MPP. Welcome back. Glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. I had mixed emotions too because, you know, I like coming here on a regular basis. Well, I was waiting for your, when when you were being sworn in that you would have said, wait a second, I got to give this (laughs) just a a minute because I, do I go on the Scott Radley show or do I get sworn in? You know what? I struggled with it. I did definitely (laughs) struggle. It is, uh, but good for you. Rookie MPP Mm -hmm. now eight months, seven months, something like that into it. And you're still, your hair is... Not only in your head, but it's not all gray. It's getting there, though. It's starting to go a little gray. It's my, it's my I call it my, my Doug Ford streaks. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how is the job? How do you like it? You know, it's, it, it certainly is, um, it's, it's, in some regard, it's what I expected. Um, you know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of important issues for Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas, and I commend you for getting my entire name of my writing correct. So there's a lot of important issues, and this is a really difficult time. It's an important time, and so I expected all of that. There's some things that I'm quite surprised by. Um, to be honest with you, I'm I'm not I the the decorum at Queens Park is was a shock to me. It really does feel like the Roman. Forum you mean the lack there. of decorum? Yes, thank you, yeah. thank you. So that that was uh, so the work I didn't think uh, you know the hard work I expected, and I'm happy and proud to be representing the writing and doing all that. But there's some things about actually the parliamentary democracy and how it functions was a surprise to me. Other than as far as doing the work, what's been the surprise to you? I, I would say that has been just the surprise to me. The amount of work? No, no, not oh, the, the amount the, of work. The, the, yeah, just how, the, just how, you know, how the uh, legislature functions, and you know, without it being insider baseball and would lose all your audience. I mean, there's certain there's. I sort of expected there to be more consideration for uh, our loyal. So we represent uh, Her Majesty's loyal opposition. You know, we we you know D- Doug Ford and for the those PCs, who don't know, you represent the NDP. I represent just in the case, NDP, yeah. and we're Her Majesty's loyal opposition. So we're the only other recognized party at Queen's Park and uh, the piece the Doug Ford's government won a majority and they have a majority in the House and so they are going to get all their legislation is going to pass because they have a majority and so that's why I'm really quite disappointed that they don't take the time to slow down to take input not just from us the opposition but they don't send things to committee they don't really they say they're consulting but they're not and that's all about trying to make legislation better so that we can serve you know uh, people of Ontario better and that's the thing that I'm most disappointed that they seem to think they have all the answers when you showed up because you've not been had you have you you've not been elected anywhere no. before? This is your first time in elected Absolutely. office. Do they give you any kind of crash course in how to do the job, or do you show up and they hand you a bunch of files and say right. go to it? Bit of both, actually. So that w- because this government was a bit different, we got called we recalled sooner than expected. They do have some orientation for MPPs, and we did that really quite quickly. But you definitely learn on the fly. So I just have to say, you know, for the first uh, my first couple of weeks, I'd say even a month while I was sitting in my seat in the legislature, which is pretty awesome and intimidating at the same time. You know, you sit in this beautiful, uh, fantastic building. But I, at the, at the very beginning, wasn't entirely sure, like, you know, what are the rules here? What am I supposed to do? So for the most part, I well, sat there. Well, there's a million of them. There's a million of them. And I, for the first part, I just sat there and thought, oh my God, don't, don't pick me because I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what to do and what not to do. And uh, there's a lot of traditions that are kind of cool about uh, the legislature that I learned. So, for example, when you're in the sitting on the floor of the legislature at your seat, they have carvings on the wall. And so as a loyal opposition, when we face towards the government, we see an owl. Uh, carved on the wall. And that's because we, no, pardon me, not an owl, an eagle. And that's because we are supposed to have an eagle eye on the government. 
And when the government looks our way, there's an owl, and that's supposed to be so that they govern wisely. So there's a lot of those kind of cool stories and and, and cool traditions, but it takes a while uh, to learn that. Yeah, I've learned a a couple of things the hard way, I have to say. How many times have you been walking around Queen's Park lost in the halls because you don't know where an office is? A lot. And (laughs) also, but it's amazing that there's sometimes when I'm wondering, you know, we work late nights and the building is essentially closed. And I've been wandering the halls thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. Like the history that's there, the, you know, the, the number of people that have come. I mean, Sir Johnny MacDonald and some of the, the, you know, the people that have come through and made this province what it is. So the fact that, you know, Sandy from The Hammer is walking around Queen's Park is, is still quite uh, remarkable to me, you know. Do you know who has previously sat in your desk? Oh, you know what? That's a good question. I do not know that. Or who's had your office? I don't know if it'll be the same yeah, person. Yeah, I had Mon- Monty McNaughton had my office previous to that, which is really funny because when they move out, they leave some, you know, odds and sods of crap in the desk, <laughs> I have to say. So there's a few buttons from Monty McNaughton. Not a, not a letter like presidents I, leave for each other? Not a letter, exactly. No letter. And also the other thing is, even though it's a very grand building, the furniture, you know, is a little rumpy. I have to say that. So <laughs> I've got this sort of dusty old couch that Monty McNaughton used to sit on, I suppose, and many before us. But um it's a pretty fantastic building, that's for sure. You know, we will uh, we'll, we'll get to more of that uh, later in the show. We'll talk because I, I got a lot more to ask you about starting a job like this because I have no idea how you would do it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Sandy Shaw, Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas MPP. Now very busy. I won't say too busy for us because she's here, right. but we're glad to have you back. Uh, we're not only going to be talking about provincial politics today, which you're probably thrilled about <laughs> when you, since you do 15 hours a day of that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's jump in with this one first, and this is the story that everybody's been talking about today, and it's a horrible story. I mean, it really is. It is, it is just about as tragic as you can imagine, and it's the story that everyone knows about from last night, this um, Rhea Rajkumar, who, 11 years old, who... Her father has been charged with her murder now. She was the subject of the Amber Alert last night. So we may get into the concept in a minute of, you know, an innocent till proven guilty, but just the concept of how someone could possibly kill their child is just, my brain can't even wrap itself around that. But before we do, the big discussion today was that Peel Police, who put out this Amber Alert, were apparently swamped with people calling, complaining about said Amber Alert. Um, what uh, yeah. what do you make of that? I, I can't even, you know, I can't even. I mean, this was is an unspeakable tragedy. And, and even if people uh, didn't understand the full depth of, of this, why the Amber Alert was issued uh, at the time, because I, I, to be honest with you, I heard it and it scared the bejesus out of me, right? I yep. know, what is that? And also more than one phone went off in my house, yes. right? So it definitely scared me uh, and it woke me up. And, you know, I, but I was, it was a, compa- you're compelled by, it's a human story of drama and you're compelled when you see that it's an Amber Alert. And you can only assume that the, the police, the Peel Regional Police aren't doing this willy-nilly. They're doing this because they think it will have an impact, a positive outcome on the story. Well, it hasn't happened a lot. No, and that's the other part of all this. And so I can't, I can even see at the time when people are thinking, why did I get this alert? Why was I woken up and not understanding it? But when, in the light of day, when you realize that this was a, a, a like an unspeakable tragedy that was that the police were trying to prevent, trying to save a life, at that point, if you're complaining about being woken up in the middle of the night, I, I can't begin to understand what your rationale is. I can't fathom why somebody, even if you're ticked off that you have been woken up, why would you make the next step to call the police and complain? First of all, what do you think they're going to do? Apologize right. to you right. for this? Even before they had f- found her body, even yes. before this had to come to a conclusion, what do you think the police are going to do? Not do it again? Just... It woke you up. Suck it up. Has your phone never gone off? Has no one ever called you? Have you never had a butt dial in the middle of the night? Exactly. But the second part is, and and by the way, I too was lying on the couch. The house was quiet. I was watching the Leaf game. Suddenly yes. my phone goes off and the TV goes red and starts going. I know. I almost wet myself. <laughs> exactly. It scared uh, me for sure. But it does get your attention. And, and that's the purpose. And that's the purpose of it. Now that's said, And I, I, so I... 100% support them doing this, 100%. So what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, I don't want people to interpret that they're saying, 
they're complaining about this or anything else. No, it was absolutely essential and clearly it worked. Yes. Could it be tweaked? Since there were people who seemed to be upset about this, is there a way that this could be tweaked? And I'll give you one suggestion for one way that I might throw out there. I don't have a problem with anything with the way that it was done to begin with. Did it, do you need to have the same alarm go off when it's over? to mm-hmm. scare people again at 12.50 night. That would be my only comment about it. Not that the uh, thing had been done. Right. Can we just put up a, a notice that comes up on your phone right. or something saying it's been canceled? We're, that would be my only comment on it. Uh, and it's a, it's a tweak. It's not a don't do exactly. it. Exactly. So again, to be clear, we, we think this is a system that worked. It showed that it worked Clearly. last night. We're not complaining about it. Could it be made more effective? You know, we're not the experts in this. And that I heard that that's a suggestion. Did you need to have that second loud uh, announcement? Also, the unfortunate part where it seemed like it was a positive outcome when they said the child has been found. took a while to realize that that, that, mm-hmm. that was not the case. So I would say that... Um, Perhaps it can be tweaked, and there's, as you said earlier, it doesn't get used very often. So we need to perhaps consider that. But here's though the, I suspect it'll get used more because now that we've seen, seen that, that it, it can work, work, I expect that we'll see more of these. Hopefully, we don't have instances where we need. Well, to of have course, it working. of course. But you know, so we don't know. We're not the experts. Maybe they need the la- Maybe that once the Amber Alert goes out, who knows? Or maybe people that are actively participating to try and find. Uh, the child or the father, and that they need that loud alert to let them know that, that, that you know they can they can you know, cease and desist. But I think the point being that this is uh, a, a fair point to say: Can we improve on this? Uh, but by call, but you don't call into nine one one to say what you think that you know, like armchair quarterback to say how you first of all complain, and second of all. Uh, to you know, just your your sort of a you know unprofessional opinion on how it should be fixed. Look, the whole point of this Amber Alert and the noise that it makes at the beginning is intentionally yes. loud and distracting and attention getting. It's not exactly the same, but back in the day in the fifties and sixties during the the Cold War, yes. they had the air raid sirens, exactly. and in the, in the Second World War, they didn't have something that was. Demure. Yeah, they didn't have like a like a little chime sound. No. Yeah. Now I don't know. Back in the day, when the danger had passed, if they fired off the same sound at the end. So I think they did, and I'll tell you this I don't because know. my 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 parents are from uh, from uh, Ireland, Scotland. They had a lot of air raids during the war, and they were kids at the time. But they told the story about the older woman that was a neighbor and there was like say there was two blasts to say that the germ mm. that they were coming so they that was when they had to go down into the you know into the air raid shelters and then there was a blast an all clear blast but they used to laugh because this old lady would be all mixed up so she'd be going down when everybody was coming <laughs> up and she was you know in her little Scottish accent and her slippers so I think they did do that but I think and I don't know again but I I mean if Back to the legislature, there's strict rules. You don't take your phone. You don't let your phone ring in the legislature. There, it's very, there's a lot of rules around decorum. And just a while back, there was an a, a emergency test of the emergency broadcast. So we were all in the legislature, and all the phones went off, and the speaker was looking around, and, who can I <laughs> kick out of the legislature for this? But is it the same system that it, will give us, warn us when there's another kind of disaster? Uh, we're talking about this uh, Amber Alert from last night. Lots of people, uh, apparently, uh, you know, as we said a moment ago, a lot of people with lots of comments about this. I don't, I just can't fathom who would think that I have to call the police and complain about this, especially when you see it's about a little girl being abducted. Is it fair game to say what, to do what we're doing, which is to say, is it possible that they could be tweaked? I think that's entirely fair. It's a system that worked, but anytime something works, you can always look and say, could it be a little bit better? Should it be not done because it was late at night? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. That, and it clearly did work. And Sandy, one thing I didn't know, I still don't know. And someone can email me at radley at 900chml.com. So I have no idea about this. I don't know if your device, your phone, your iPad, your whatever, if it was set to silent, Mm -hmm. if it overrode that and gave the big buzzing noise anyway, I don't know. And if it doesn't, should it? I don't know. Because if you're, and I don't know if you're driving in your car. Because I, my phone automatically right. has that uh, nothing happens so when it's, when well, it's driving. the it's the automatically goes into a silent nothing mm-hmm. mode. I don't know if it overrides that. If you are if you were out there last night, if you either had your phone on silent or were driving in your car, I'd love to know if the system does either of those two things. But I do look at this and I say, I, I do think that if 
there are ways to make this thing better because I do expect, sadly, that we will be having more. I think this is a perfect test case to show how quickly this could work. And I don't know. The other thing is, and I don't know if it's been written. Did you hear, was this child and father found because of someone in the public that led to it? I I didn't even hear that. Well, I I did read that somewhere. I think, you know, Twitter now, everything comes from Twitter. (laughs) And so I did think that the father was found because of the uh, because of the Amber Alert. So so, you know, in the Peel police said clearly in their uh, communication that the system worked. And by that, they were able to apprehend the the father. So the system did, you know, did work. the other thing that I, you know, in, in, you're talking earlier about does it override if you have it on mute or silent. I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, all the MPPs were in uh, Queen's Park and everyone puts their phone on silent because, and mm-hmm. it did it ring did go. through. Yeah. And so, but, you know, if you think about the purpose of an, an, an alert, you, you know, again, you, you want, if, if it was something that impacted you or your family directly, you certainly wouldn't want to have your phone on mute or silent and it not to to alert you. That's the whole point of this. And again, the other thing that I think is interesting to to know, uh, because it's pretty new, right, is that it is they do use this also for an emergency broadcast when there are other I believe, when there's other emergencies. Well, tornadoes right? or something exactly. they could use it for, or things right. like that. The uh, I hope uh, for a variety of reasons. I hope that this thing is not used a lot. And the variety of reasons, A, is because we hope we don't have to use it a lot, but also because we know as humans that if you start having this happen once a week or whatever, this one, it grabs everyone's attention because we haven't had it in forever. Now you start having this every week or every two weeks and... You just get used to it. Just shut it off. Just shut. Like car uh, alarms. Uh, exactly. The only yeah. person that's the only way my car alarm gets set off is if I do it. <laughs> Today, people don't what, pay attention. Fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, if a car alarm went off in your neighborhood, what Everybody would have happened? Everybody had their lights open, the oh, windows open. Someone's exactly. breaking into a car now. It's like shut the stupid alarm <laughs> exactly, off. Your exactly. dog set off the alarm. <laughs> exactly. Nobody would possibly right. go out. Will did someone call you? Sorry, just going to go to yes. Will here. Did someone call? Yeah, I actually got a couple of calls. Uh, split 50-50, one person said that their phone was on silent and they heard nothing. They just saw the notification come up on their TV. Other callers saying that their phone was on silent and it still came up. I was not sure. I was not uh, yet on the road and my uh, I heard the announcement come on CHML while I was in the parking lot, actually, and I looked at my phone and I saw it, but I'm not sure if my phone made a noise. Also, I just want to throw in, it was the Peel Regional Police who announced on Twitter that as a direct result of someone receiving the alert, we were able to locate the suspect and his so vehicle. So it led to it. So it was it was a direct uh, direct connection between the, the Amber Alert and the capture of this guy. So uh, again, it clearly works. Yeah. And, the, you know, I just also want to say on a, on a, you know, on a human tragedy note, can you imagine that you are the Peel police and you have to deal with this tragedy? You have to respond. You have to deal with finding this this girl like this the details are just heartbreaking her birthday dressed for valentine's day i mean it can't, couldn't get any worse and now you have to answer the phone to people that are complaining when you're dealing with this human drama that's unspeakable again i like i sandy i i don't mind i, I it's a human nature i think that if it woke you up to go come on what is this right. i, I the, your natural reaction i i that's human i don't object if someone had that na- that instinctive reaction but to actually pick up the phone and decide that you are so important. Exactly. That you had to file a complaint thinking that somehow you were going to change the police future behavior or whatever. Using 911. Using 911. But even if it wasn't 911, right. even if you called and said, why are you waking me exactly. up? Look at your phone. It, honestly, if we ha- and if they had found her alive, which would have been the f- obviously the vastly better option, would would it have been more acceptable to have called and complained? No. Be even maybe less. I don't know. Which, yeah, I mean the whole. There's no acceptable version of this. <sighs> anyway, and as as for the other thing, and we won't go into this because we're n- we don't have the time to do it. I just yeah. all day today. I just can't. I couldn't fathom. I can't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I, I don't know how many, I don't know what percent of people could kill someone in general, but the percent of people, if this guy is found guilty and he's innocent until proven guilty, but the percent of people who could do something to their own kid is just, yeah. my head can't comprehend it. No, we can't. I mean, that, that's what makes, I, I don't know what, that's, you know, that's why these are so compelling because we don't, because they are so 
unfathomable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't understand. It's like a movie. It's like a movie, and I mean, it's like I, you know, it's like the kind of I almost want to say evil or whatever it is. We we just most you know you know ninety nine point nine percent of the of the world feels this way, and so when these this is why these stories last forever. When we hear these stories of, of these horrible murders, that we are in some way you know, uh, fascinated by them in some regard because they're so... Yeah, just they're re- such fascinating in our repulsion yeah, to it. Yeah, and they're aberrations of human nature. We just don't get it, right? Well, you know, yeah, we'll leave it there. Yeah, there's uh, not... No en- enough about that one, yeah. yeah. No what, what more do you say about yeah. that? I mean, it's nope. just... It's, it's, it's too difficult to grasp. Take another break. Back after this with Sandy Shaw. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We had this week the fourth and fifth, I believe, snow days for the public school board. The Catholic board went to school for one of the days this week, but fourth and fifth snow days this year. And it has created some discussion. There's been people complaining the schools closed too easily, that we're all, you know, the snowflake generation. And hmm. uh, there's a lot of other complaints. There's complaints that our tax dollars aren't being used properly because students are not getting the education. They're missing all these days. Now we had Alex Johnstone, the head of the public board on here saying, you know, the teachers can compress the schedules and get that stuff taught. We can agree or disagree about that. But Sandy, I was, this week as we were chatting about this, the number one answer that was given was when you say, why are the boards closed? Why are the schools closed? The number one answer was, it's for the safety of the students. And that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. You don't want to have students having to get on a school bus. The buses are not running, whatever. But that doesn't, so when I said then, well, what about the teachers? Well, it's not about the teachers. Because everyone else who seems to be able to get to their job. So my question is, when we have a snow day, should the teachers be expected to be in school? And if you're a parent, because one of the complaints we hear is, what do I do with my kids? If you're a parent who wants to get to your kid to school, the teachers will be there. They'll be ready to teach your kids if they show up or do something with them. Should we be expecting that? Or should we say when it's a snow day, no, we just keep everything shut down? So I knew you'd have a twisty angle on this. <laughs> That's snow days. What are we going to talk about? Well, I would say uh, there's a few things in there that you talked about. I mean, I never really actually thought of the idea of that the kids are staying home. Safety for the kids, not only for walking, but I guess the fewer cars that are on the road. I mean, I don't know if you've seen around public schools and the oh, traffic yeah. jam up. One right near my house exactly. every morning. So you don't doesn't even have to be a snow day to have difficult, like unsafe conditions with parents dropping their kids off right, at mm-hmm. school. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Um, so, but that teachers maybe could be going to the schools um, to do work. But I think the idea. Perhaps the safety issue does extend to the teachers because other places close for that reason, right? So other other workplaces will close early so their staff can get home. The legislature closed one of those days, which is very unusual, and and, and all the the legislative staff got to went home early. So there is a safety consideration for the teachers as well. Um, but you know, I think that I think the the thing you don't want to do is to have ad hoc rules because then it gets really confusing. Um, well, there was confusion this week when the Catholic board opened and the public exactly. board closed and people are saying, well, what? who's right? Exactly. Well, that's a whole... Who's <laughs> right? No, go, but... There you go. But, that's but the, go back to King Henry VIII, that conversation. Well, not necessarily who's right on how they teach, but who's right on whether this should have been a snow day or not a snow day. And right. people are saying, what if the Catholic people can get there, right. then why can't the public people well, get there? And I don't know... And I don't know who was right. But I have to say, a certain radio station in Hamilton at one point, because I was listening, said... The buses are running, but the schools are closed. I went, that can't be right. <laughs> they had to come back. And say, Correction: <laughs> the, the schools are, you know, the buses are not running. Well, the apparently, schools are open. apparently, and I didn't see this. I was told this after. Apparently, the initial tweet that went out from the Catholic board was, "We're closed." Yes. And minutes later, they said, "Wait, no, no sorry, miss typo. Right. We're open." Which, of course, you know, that was a, a typo, but it did cause some confusion. Yes. Because you know, it's a tight timeline. Yes. You know, as a parent that has to get your kid dressed and their lunches made and, you know, getting wrestling your kids in snowsuits into down the street is no easy feat. And I speak as a, as a nan that had to do this the other day with my grandkids. And then you have to, you know, off, you know, we all, most of us all, two parents go, go to work and you have these finely tuned 
schedules. You do this, drop them off at this time, I get to work those. So the, the other part of the disruption to parents' schedules when they're trying to get their kids to school and get to work um, and then get, getting unclear dis- the directions as to what you're supposed to be doing. And I get that they have to wait. I think they wait till 6 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. I mean, I get that they have to wait, but I know that, you know, everyone's sort of on their phone to see what uh, what it's going to be. And it is, it is, I don't know why, why the Catholic school boards are open and the public school boards are closed. I can only guess, and maybe you had this conversation with Alex Johnstone, but uh, it has a lot to do with, the, the. I don't know if they use the same fleet of bus drivers. Well, right? and, no, but, and it seems like they've got a different policy, and that, that also creates mm-hmm. some confusion with the Catholic board, and I, I'd have to double check on the, ca- on the Catholic board, the public board, if the buses aren't running, the schools are, the closed. Schools are closed. And I don't believe that's the same policy for the Catholic right. board. I believe schools can still be open even right. if the buses... So, are you ever going to get the two boards to agree to a standard policy? Probably not. Right. That's why we have two different boards, so exactly. they can disagree on stuff. But one of the things that um, one of the things that people have pointed out is, I need the schools to be open because what do I do with my kids? And I'm not entirely. I, I'm sympathetic, but I'm not entirely sure that that is supposed to be the guiding principle because that makes it sound like school is just a daycare. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that, I think there's issues for sure about education, everything else. I, I'm not sure that's the line that's going to garner the sympathy for me. Right. I don't well, know about you. I well, mean, it's, it's a it's a reality though. It's a reality. Yeah. And I, you know, like 100% schools aren't about babysitting your kids. It's not childcare. They're, they're, they're there they're to schools. learn. They're schools, right? But if you make I think I was saying earlier, people have complicated arrangements to try and cram into a day what people have to do to working parents. You know, sometimes parents don't have two full-time jobs. They have to cobble together part-time jobs here, there, and there's travel. And when you have these sort of complicated arrangements uh, that hinge on where your child's going to be, the whole, you know, it's a house of cards if, the, if all of a sudden you have to make alternative arrangements. Not everybody has you know, uh, retired grandmothers or family members. Not everybody has the kind of support system that, you know, we kind of rely on. And not everybody has a has a really an accommodating workplace. I mean, some people can work from home, but not everybody has all that, Well, I right? go back to my, my question that I asked off the top, and Mike has written in uh, where my suggestion is we clearly don't want our kids being bussed around if the conditions are mm-hmm. incredibly dangerous. Right. We, we don't want that. No one's arguing to have kids in bus accidents. That Anyone who would think that we're saying that is out of their mind. But if many other jobs, if the day is not so horrendous that other people can get to their workplace, the idea that teachers maybe could get to school, and if you want to drop your kid off at school, then... It will be there. Mike writes in, some northern boards do this. If buses are canceled and schools are open, teachers are to report to the nearest board school to their home address. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It it, it seems to me that, again, I'm not talking about the apocalyptic blizzard that nobody can get through, but if it's slightly dicey and it's 5 a.m. and suddenly you say, well, you know, it's going to be a little bad, we're really not sure... Why not say we expect teachers to show up? And I'm not dumping on teachers. No. I'm just saying if, if other people can get to their jobs, right. it's not an off day. It's right. a school day that you just can't get yeah. some people to school, but it's still a work day. Well, so that's a different aspect, but it is about primarily about keeping kids safe. I mean, that's why the yes. decision is made. It's about keeping kids safe. And the other thing about predicting the weather, like that's a fool's game. So, you know, you think about school boards that make a decision at six o'clock in the morning, are they erring on the side of caution or, or not? And I mean, I, I've heard this before and I could be so wrong. We need to get, you know, some of our weather people here. But I, I hear that when they issue the weather reports, they err on the side of being more extremes because they don't want to say, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. You know, and then end up people in, in that kind of condition. So it's a hard decision for... for well, everyone. we know there have been calls. School boards have made calls in recent years, not just here. Yes. And then it turns out the weather misses us and people are saying, it was exactly. bone dry. Why did we call this off? You people are so soft. Exactly. I, I remember getting, maybe eight years ago, there was supposed to be a hurricane in Hamilton. And we went home, we're sent home from work. I battened down everything. I think like a one leaf fell off a tree somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but people took that seriously. And I guess, I suppose, you wouldn't want to say, you know, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a judgment call. But the idea that, um, the idea that you know, parents 
uh, you know, parents. The idea that parents are left trying to, you know, come up with a with a with a alternative plans is something that we I think we need to have a lot of empathy for. I do believe. I really do believe it because I know that when my kids were going through school, they had some great, great teachers. I do believe that if you said to the teachers in the school board, uh, we're not forcing the students to come in today, but school is going to be open and we would like you to be at school. Mm -hmm. You're expected to be at school if you can make it at all. Right. I think the vast majority of teachers would make it and would be at school. I think so. I I really do. I believe they are dedicated. I believe that there are some that would take advantage or would not try very hard. There'd be some, but that would be the same in any line of work. That's not just teachers. But if you, anything, (laughs) any line of work, if you give the option, some are going to take advantage and most are going to be dedicated and do it. And then you could say, and if you're a parent who has to go to work and you have nowhere else for your kid to go, the teacher will teach something. Right. It may not be your regular class. He'll teach that. He'll work on some homework that you have to get done. He'll work on something that you are struggling with. It'll be a day to do some stuff. I do believe you would find most teachers would be there just like they're supposed to be. But we have to be careful. We won't create a bad situation where maybe the teachers literally cannot get in. And if they there's can't, one teacher they can't. there, and there's a hundred kids, you know, I mean, it's a. I think you have to be. It's you know, I think it's you know that could be a possibility, right? There are look. It, it, there's all these things. You're right. And if the conditions again, I'm not talking about a day where you can't see outside and the right. roads or those snow is coming at eight inches a minute, right. and, or centimeters a minute, I guess. Showing yeah, my age. age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm showing my age because I know all the words to welcome back Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're going to get to some lighter stuff later, but I, I do want to talk about this because this has also been the discussion around here anyway for the last number of days, which is the Red Hill Creek Expressway. And Sandy, just to take a few minutes on this one because we've... Mm-hmm. This scenario that we've got, we're not going to, you and I are not going to get into whether or not bad slippery asphalt caused accidents. We don't know that. Right. There's suspicions that they may or may not. We don't, the The point is we don't know any of this stuff because we haven't seen the reports. And all I keep thinking is as the council sits in meetings till 3 a.m. debating this in camera and all the rest, what is the harm if you've got the public that's so doubting now of what's going on, that is so suspicious, where is the possible harm in saying, yes, we're going to have an open investigation, an open hearing, an open commission, whatever you want to call it, and clear this up? And you know what? If there was wrongdoing, that'll come out, but it's going to come out anyway. Exactly. And if there was no wrongdoing, we want that made public to show that we, the council, didn't do something nefarious or whatever else. I see no downside to the idea of having a public hearing on this. And I, I don't either. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, the idea that the, the city is looking for a, a legal opinion. You know, what they say about legal opinions. There may be opinions. Doesn't make them legal. Do, do you <laughs> know what I mean? So, you know, well, and everybody has one. And everybody has one. And so the point being that if the city is trying to, if one of the reasons that they don't want to, to go right to a, a judicial review or some kind of transparent process. Uh, because they're looking to minimize further uh, legal action, they're they're gonna this this is their lawsuits are going to happen. It's it's just not it's just going to happen. And so the ver- and if it does happen, the lawyers for that are going to ask for and get the report exactly, which will then be in right. court. And so it's not you can't hide it. No, and you know we're talking about this particular incident and and doing setting this right. Uh, but you know I think you sort of alluded to that. I mean this also sets the tone for the kind of. Uh, accountability and trust that we should have in our municipal in our any government in our municipal government and when it's so clear that something went wrong and it's so clear that we need answers it's hard to understand why I mean, I think there, there's a 30-day delay to get a report back on how they would proceed to a judicial inquiry, if that's correct. <clears throat> I mean, now then people start to have all these kinds of, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, they try to imagine why the councillors are doing that. Some people think that perhaps it's because they think in 30 days uh, people won't be as irate and upset and angry about that, if that's the reason. I mean, when you don't, you know, when you don't act immediately and decisively on this and allow it to fester, it only gets worse. Well, look to Ottawa as an example with what happened this week, where you've got this thing going on, and again, I use the word scandal or 
incident or whatever you want to call it, because depending on what party you're aligned with, you're going to either say it's a big nothing yeah. or it's a scandal, but it's something it's is going thing. on. It's, it's a, a thing. It's a crisis or a thing. And they have <laughs> this meeting with the Judicial Committee, the Commons yes. Ju- Justice Committee, to whether or not we should have a hearing. Well, they're going to have a hearing, but essentially they're having a hearing with none of the people who are involved, which means it's a sham of a hearing. The problem with what they're doing is that as soon as you decide we're not really going to shed light on this and it's the one party that's in power that is deciding this, you just create the belief exactly. that something is being hidden, that's that right. something's being covered exactly. up. I, we don't know if something's being covered up, but as soon as you have your people preventing a hearing from happening that might shed light on it, the automatic reaction in cynical and skeptical people's brains is you're hiding something. Well, same with the Red Hill Creek. If you don't want to have a commission, an investigation, a public airing of this, many people are going to leap to the conclusion, fair or otherwise, it's because they've got something to hide. And I think that is worse than what you might find in this investigation. Well, they always say that, like the cover up or the attempt to cover up is always worse than the the crime or the action it's always the case but you know it's almost like human nature that you you know you don't can't admit that there's been a mistake or a crisis you know they say that this is the thing about human nature is that we don't we can't get through our heads that there is a crisis so by the time we acknowledge it we're already behind the eight ball you know a perfect example they say of that is the Costa Concordia mm. do you remember yes and the, the ship that exa- crashed into exa- the rocks exactly and so the idea that they a- analyze it and the captain thinks you know we didn't hit anything did we yeah yeah finally oh yes we did hit anything. well we didn't really hit it wasn't really bad, is it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. But there's not a big hole in the boat. And so by the time you acknowledge that you have hit the rocks, that there is a big you know, hole in the boat and people are at risk, you've already, you know, you're already too far down the road. You're at a 45-degree angle exactly. already. <laughs> so this is the same thing. You, you need to sort of have show the kind of uh, – you have to act decisively. And, and, and in, it, in addition to, as you said, and you're absolutely right, the whole idea that if, if you don't do what – if politicians aren't doing what we would do, oh, you know, actually, I guess I am a politician, but <laughs> I forgot about that for a second. But, you know, what we would do is just let, let's just, you know, let's just open the books on this. Let's get to the answers. We need to do this quickly and we need to fix this problem. When they don't do what we expect them to do, then you do, as I said earlier, invent all kinds of, you know, partisan reasons that they're doing this or nefarious reasons. It even... I've even heard people say, and I kind of feel this this way. Why are you dragging this out when you look at a, when you really actually look at the the human side of this and the families that have lost, you know, children and family members in accidents? Like delaying it is even, you know, to me is causing even further uh, pain to these families. The the issue for the city, I really believe, for city council and for the whole city, is that. Whether or not, again, something was done wrong, because we don't at this point that I know of, that I've heard, we don't have any proof or any evidence that this was malicious or intentional. We don't know why this report ended up where it was. There may be a perfectly logical, good explanation for why it never made it into the public eye. Right. We don't know. But perception in court, perception in politics, perception is... It, it creates the reality. And if you hide it, if you don't want to come forward with this, you simply create the belief that you have something to hide. And I exactly. go back to that. And you may not have something to hide. Now, you may. Council may know something that we don't know. And they're like, oh, we can't let this out. But we've not heard anything to that effect. No. And I think you're exactly right. I think this probably, from the lawyer's perspective, this probably is how do we mitigate liability if there's going to be a lawsuit, but this report is going to come out in court anyway. There's no judge that's going to tell a lawyer who's suing the city, you can't have access to the report that this whole thing is based on. Exactly. It's going to be there. Yeah. There's no way, in my humble opinion, to prevent lawsuits on this. Like they're already being drafted, in my opinion. We've already heard the families say they were talking about a class action. And why, you know, why wouldn't they be? I mean, I can only even imagine that uh, the insurance companies, the insurance companies that covered some of these losses good are going to say, hey, you know what? That's we paid out point. on this, but it looks like it wasn't uh, our fault. So these these lawsuits could be um, astronomical. And, and in some regard, the longer they, they delay it, in fact, that, you know, the, 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 
the deeper the uh, the suspicion uh, that's the, it you know and the lack of trust like what you're establishing is a lack of you so you're already so suspicious when this review happens you may even question the findings at that point you know what did it t- it took you so long did it take this long so that you could you know shred documents or did it take you this long so you could back up a truck and get rid of well some let's of go this back or, to ottawa with your right. point for just a second there are those who are already saying the whole plan here we've got an election coming up in october the whole plan is let's just stall let's just mm-hmm. hold off let's just drag this thing out and by the t- you know a few more weeks people have a short attention span they'll forget and those who remember and are still interested well we won't have a report till after the election so no big deal right I'm 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 not convinced that is Hamilton City Council's position on this. I'm not sure exactly what their position is. I don't I'm know if they're. I'm not sure either. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're just following the advice of the lawyer, regardless of what Probably. the lawyer says. But if that's the case, they were in council f- in camera for five hours. I think it was At on least, the other. Yes. Required pizza, I understand. Did a a lawyer's explanation of this really require... I I find it hard to believe that counsel was not debating this. I find it hard to believe that a lawyer simply talked to them, lectured them for five hours, and they said, okay. There had to have been something. We don't know, but there had to have been something going on. But I would like to say, though, on that, you know, it's easy to sit... And, and cr- from the outside and criticize. And so what I do want to make sure that I genuinely feel that each one of those counselors is intending to do the right thing. I mean, there's not one of those counselors that doesn't feel for the families. I believe there's not one of those counselors that doesn't want to make sure that the public is safe. I don't I don't I don't in any way question their their um, dedication to the to doing the right thing. It's just sometimes hard to decide what the right thing to do is. Once again, there is, to the best of my knowledge, there is no allegation, there's no suggestion no. that any counselor exactly. knew about this and hid it or or covered it up or anything. I've heard nothing to that effect Not whatsoever. And so do we know that for sure? No, but that we you're innocent until proven guilty. There is as to my mind, the counselors I don't think should have any concern for yes. the fact that they hid anything cuz I've not heard that any of them knew about right. this report. To the contrary, it has sounded anyway like most of them are shocked that this report they didn't receive existed. It. Exactly, and and as you said earlier, the answer could be something as simple, some almost some sort of structural thing, or you know, some a lack of communication, or maybe this wasn't important. I mean, we don't know the answer to that, so it could be the most innocent, innocuous, like mundane answer to why this didn't happen. I'll tell you, but a funny we don't know. St- I'll tell you a funny story, Sandy. I coached kids hockey for a number of years, and. Most of the parents were great, but there's always one or two that it doesn't matter what you do, your actions, if they don't agree with it, not only do they not agree with it, but they jump to the conclusion that what you did wasn't for any other reason other than a malicious reason against them. Exactly. And sometimes then afterwards you talk to them and they say, why'd you do that? And you explain it and you go, oh, and they realize, well, actually there was a second option. It wasn't just that you were malicious. Right. It was, there was a second option that I hadn't considered. Well, so in this case, I don't necessarily think that we should be leaping to conclusions that there are members of council who maliciously covered this up because no, not at all. I, I think the other, more likely, vastly more likely is the belief that, okay, what would be another, as you say, what would be another possible explanation for how this report didn't come? And if down the road we find that there was someone who tried to cover it up, we'll deal with that. But you find that out when you do an investigation. And if you find out that, as you said, this was simply an oversight or something went wrong in communication, but nobody did it on purpose, you're still going to have liability, but you're having that anyway. Exactly. So get to the answer sooner, right? We'll get to it sooner. And maybe find a way not to have it happen again in something else. And to go back to your your Coach Radley story, I mean, had you not addressed that with a parent, you know, at the end of the game in the parking lot, uh, instead they went home and they thought about it and they they said, you know, they they built the story or they called other parents. You know that Coach Radley, he's done this to my child. And they say, oh, guess what? He did it to mine as well. Then you end up with this, you know, this hornet's nest 
of things that aren't based in reality. And this is kind of what's happening here. People are projecting because people listen, we, we can't people can't stand a vacuum. We have to fill it and we're filling it with answers and reasons. I mean, we're talking about it. Maybe it was this reason. Maybe it was that reason. And the longer this goes on, the more it erodes the sense of accountability. Mm. And as I said before, the more you're in a position when the report that, you, you know, the, if they are moving to a ju- judicial review, when it comes out, People at this point are already set in their mind that you are trying to cover up something, and so they they're always gonna they're all they're already gonna look with a skeptical eye on the findings. And if we're already willing, and I think most people probably are, we're willing to give them the benefit of the yes. doubt to say there's not a malicious action here. Why create a different feeling among people that yes. maybe you are trying to hide yes. something? I don't. Th- I think if people are truly honest with themselves they would recognize the chances that there is one of these city councilors that was working in some sort of cabal with city staff yeah, to hide this thing. Unlikely. It sounds really, I mean, think of, uh, give it real thought. Don't just say, well, that's a great story. It, the reality is it's highly unlikely. It's not impossible. I suppose it could have happened, but it's highly unlikely. So clear the air. Clear the air. And I'm even for example. Acknowledge the mistake exactly. if there was a mistake that was made. Which looks like there was, but not a mistake doesn't mean an intentional Absolutely. action. And go from there. If, if this is all about protecting liability, as I say, I think you're you're. It's terrible that that, that horse it, has it, fled the barn I already. I think so. And then people speculate. I mean, there's people are wondering who that Mayor Bertina was the mayor at the time, and they're, they're thinking why is he silent on this issue? I mean, people come up with conspiracy theories to fill a vacuum of answers, and that's what I think. Is I happening. don't know who the mayor was at this time. I think I, it was Bertina. I'm not sure who it was at the point, but yeah. but but again, let's deal with this. Yeah. I just see no reason why not to. It, and, it makes no sense exactly. to me why not and to. And if you think about the outrage, people's outrage, people that not only lost family members. I mean, I, I you know, on the show, we talked about what is what is wrong with the Red Hill Creek. I mean, we talked about whether it was people driving too fast, uh, you know, not driving to the condition, or I kept thinking, is it some sort of, you know, design flaw? I mean, we talked about it. If you think about the anguish of those parents, and then you think about the outrage for families that say, are you serious? Like, you let me and my family drive on that road for, you know, five years, and it was unsafe. I mean, that just builds and builds and builds to the point where it's going to be very difficult to um, to satisfy anybody. And to regain point. trust. Thank you, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas, MPP, and former regular here on the show, soon hopefully again to be regular, Sandy Shaw. And during the break, you were showing me this photo you had mm-hmm. to do when you just yes. after what just after you took office you did the Ontario yeah. tour. It was actually just over the winter break. Actually, we did a tour. So I'm on the finance committee, and we do pre-budget consultations. So we travel to all parts of Ontario to listen to what folks are want in a in the budget and what's important to them. But yes, it was not a, the glamour tour. That's for sure. We were on the I don't even know what type of plane it was, but it was. Slow, loud, cold, rickety. I oh, I saw the picture. Sandy showed me the picture during the break, and my first thought was, it's a good thing you weren't flying over the Andes, or you might have <laughs> exactly. had to eat each other, exactly. like in the movie Alive. That's right. it, it was. It looked like it, this is. You know, we all think that you politicians live pretty high on the hog. That this this plane did, did not look like people would expect no. for politicians to it, be flying around. That thought crossed my mind. That story about the soccer team, and I thought, if I looked around the plane, I thought I probably look like the best eating <laughs> of all the other politicians on that plane. Uh, is it? I mean, that is the perception, not the plane, but the perception is that it's a pretty. Good life, though. I mean, honestly, is it? Is it? Do you get treated well? I mean, you must. You know, it. it okay, so I, I really that the you do really work very hard. Really do work very hard. But at the same time, um, you know, you have the ideas that you want to get. So, for example, when we toured, we you know we would fly. I was in three airports in one day, but when you get to the place, there it's organized. You have staff there that will make sure that the people that are coming to present are organized, that you have, um, you know, there's the, the the clerks and the hanser to keep track of everything. So they, they really help you do your job in that regard. Like there's research, uh, there's all kinds of support there, which I do really appreciate. But in terms of like the c- creature comforts, you're kind of on your own for that, you know. The, the, but what I do really like is the idea that in order to do your job, um, Effectively, as an MPP, there are the kinds of support so that you can learn, that you can, uh, you know, you can make good decisions. 
the thing that I honestly I have to say in full-blown nerd that is so exciting to me is that uh, my office is right uh, below the legislative library. So you can go to the legislative. So I wandered in there one day and I said, ha, can I get a book out? They said, yes, MPP Shaw, what would you like? I said, well, how about this book? They said, well, get it for you. So to me, it's like a kid in a candy stuff. So do you have this book? Can you do this research? So that was pretty miraculous to me. And that's what I feel is an indul- you know, an indulgence that you get to. Um, you do know. the people there all know your name already? Yeah, they do. You don't there's, have to wear a name tag. No, although sometimes at the beginning I had to. So when you come in, there's there's security at all the doors and it takes a while. But to they've get to learned them. it. They finally. So what they guess they have to learn your names is they have um, they have you know, they get little flashcards. And they practice making yeah. sure that you kn- they know all the MPPs' names, right? Have you had any moment yet, honestly, if you're willing to admit it, where you've done something that was a rookie MPP move? Yeah. And uh, so I, did, did we talk about this on the air? Maybe I'll say it again, but uh, about the whole idea of a parliamentary language. No. Oh, we didn't. Yeah. So, so there are certain rules around, you know, decorum and parliamentary language. And it's, it's handed down from, you know, the, the part from the whole idea of, the, you know, even from England, how we have our parliamentary democracy. Is there a the list world. somewhere? So of- there's not a list. Which is really unfair, if you ask me. But there's just sort of well, there's a few you would guidelines. know. Yes, there's so no words to start with F or exactly. something like that. You're going to use those. You can like fuddle duddle. Well, you could say that one, I <laughs> yeah, suppose. That's right. But um, you. So those are. But but so for example, when we were first uh, in the house, some they were discussing something on the other side, and I thought it sounded pretty hypocritical. So I mentioned out loud that that was pretty hypocritical, and I was pretty new. And the speaker, who sits in like a throne, said, the member from Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas, will withdraw. And I thought, I looked over, I thought, oh, I didn't even know that, like, you knew who I was or my name. But apparently you can't say hypocritical. So how would you know, right? How would you know? So you can't, so, you know, it's, I'm struggling. So when he says you've got to withdraw, what do you do? You stand up and you withdraw. Did you know that? Well, no, because, <laughs> but I looked around, someone nudged me, like, stand up, stand up. And so you look at the speaker and you say, I withdraw. Because, the, but truly, I'm, I'm interested in having, uh, I'm having like civil dialogue, debate. Like, I really want to listen and have good debate. But every once in a while, you know, it's a quite a, it's quite a scene question period. That was, that was quite a, a surprise to me at how, uh, it's really rough and tumble, I'll just tell you that. Has any, we have a minute left here, has yes. anybody since you've been elected now and you are now MPP Shaw, other than in Queen's Park, that you have known for a long time, do you ever get treated differently? Do you find that anyone's looking at you differently, talking to you differently, anything? I, I don't notice that. No, you know, because it's Hamilton, right? Like, like you know, uh, it's Hamilton. Like, they see you at Fortino's or they see you on the bus. So I don't know. They, they, and that's what I love about Hamilton. You know what? They, so you're still they, Sandy, not Miss Shaw. Oh, yeah, still Sandy. And and I love that. I mean, that's the whole point of it. You go down, down to Queen's Park and you want to do a good job and represent Hamilton West Ancaster Dundas, but you also want to be grounded. And you know what? There's no place like Hamilton to make sure you don't <laughs> you don't get too, uh, you know, too uh You get any notes from people? Pardon me? You get notes from people? You get calls from people? Y'all, the office is busy. This is a government that's generated a lot of calls in my office. <laughs> I don't doubt that. Yeah. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.